Corona. Okay, okay, I had to get that out of my system. Enough Corona. Hey friends, Bruce Hilliard here from the Better Each Day Library, talking about a book authored by today's guest, Terry Wade. It's been a while since I've hosted an author, but this topic seemed to be fitting, if not required reading, in light of not only myself, but a world that needs to be carefully thinking about and writing about where we've been and where we're going. Here's the basic breakdown, and I'm quoting here. What if the only thing standing between you and your dreams was your old story? The premise of this book is that your dreams are not mere fantasy. They're actually meant to come true. If you find it difficult to realize your dreams, it's because your unconscious narrative is getting in the way. To make authentic, lasting changes to the story of your life, you need a tried-and-true method with proven results. You need a map with detailed instructions for each step of the journey. Write yourself into your dreams will provide you with that map, and when you follow its guidance, no matter who you are or what's happened in your past, you can expect your greatest dreams to burst into life. It comes with a lifetime guarantee. You finished your book. Yeah, we were talking about it via email, I don't know, a few weeks back, maybe a month back. The name of the book is Write Yourself Into Your Dreams. With the um, Essential Life Story Method is the subtitle. <laughs> the premise is uh, the only thing standing between you and your dreams is your old story. Explain, mm-hmm. yep. please. And yeah, <laughs> well, most people don't know that they have an old story. I mean, all these coaches and authors and self-help experts keep talking about your story. You know, um, from Brene Brown to Marie Forleo to Oprah, like, you know, everyone's just like saying things like, don't let your old story get in the way. Or um, if you don't like the story you're in, get out of it or write a new ending, you know, and it's sort of this, I think a lot of people look at it as if it's a metaphor, you know, Um, in the same way that it's really common in our culture to refer to the story of my life as if it's not actually a real thing, you know, people just say, um, you know, they'll get dumped or something and be like, Oh, it's the story of my life, you know, or, um, you hear people use that term all the time. Um, and they're not realizing that they, there actually is a story at play inside of them. And that story is actually determining the reality. It's not just some, sick joke God's playing on you when you keep repeating the same old patterns. That's usually what we're doing when we're referring to our stories. We're saying like, you know, it's looping. It's always the same old story, always the same old story. But the truth is there, there is a, a narrative that each one of us has and we're carrying it around and it's getting, it is getting recycled in our day to day reality. It, it causes 
us to think a certain way and behave a certain way and have preconceived notions about what's going to happen. And, and you can get it out of you and look at it on paper, you know, and when you get it out of you and you look at it on paper using the right method and tools, you can actually transform it in a way that changes that story that you're referring to and changes the story that's getting recycled every day. So you're saying to literally write it out on paper so it's firmly ensconced mm -hmm. in your brain, you can review it, rewrite it even maybe, huh? Yeah, definitely rewrite it. I mean, that's what my book teaches people to do. Oh, okay. It teaches you how to reveal that narrative that you're walking around with that you can't even see. And then it teaches you how to break it down and recreate it. And it's all with using a short version. You know, this isn't about writing your memoir and examining it from every direction and like mm. spending years rewriting it. It's, it's about writing the short sort of five page history of your life, you know, and rewriting that um, because you couldn't put every moment into your written story of, from your life if you tried anyway. You know, you have to make choices about what you put in there and what you leave out and how much you talk about each thing and how, um, in what way you talk, talk about each experience and moment. And so all of those choices produce a different, a different story. Um, but yeah, you do. You have to see it in writing because if you, if you try to think about your story, it's like a slippery fish. I mean, you'll try to pinpoint it just in your mind and then different aspects of you will be like, look over there, it's a squirrel. <laughs> like they don't want you to see what you're really carrying around. You know, there's a lot of different parts of you inside um, that have different agendas and fears and um, anxieties and they'll spin these stories and then, you know, get you focused on this over here, focused on this over that there. So you don't really know what the story is. You don't, you can't until you see it. Oh, life yeah. is so full of distractions. I like that though. Write yourself into, yeah. write yourself into your dreams. Yeah. Life is a slippery fish. Could have been the name of it, but I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad with what you went with. What, what led up to this? Was it your own life experiences? Yes, yes. Um, I had, there was a, a series of epiphanies that I had that led up to me doing this for myself, um, realizing that it was, the answer to some problems that I'd been facing for a long time. And one of them was that I had spent some time in the Amazon rainforest in the year 2000 and I had this amazing journey and it was life changing. And, and then I had to come home under some not great circumstances. I had an injury when I was down there. I wanted to stay forever, but, yeah. but when I came back, I was just, I was really torn. I, I didn't understand why I had had such an amazing experience just to have it be ripped away. I didn't know how to, what to do with that experience and how to reconcile it here. And a lot of people struggle with that. I mean, any, any experience, any big powerful experience that you've had, whether it's spiritual or as an artist or traveling, you know, when it's amazing and beautiful and then, sort of, that's the story of my life. I, whatever I get that I like doesn't last. You know, if, if you get recycled back into that old story, you don't know how to reconcile these great experiences with this dominant narrative. And so it just gets shelved. You know, it just, you just kind of put it on a shelf in your mind. <laughs> um, and, and you, you aren't able to draw from the power of that 
experience and the beauty of that experience in your day-to-day life. So that's what happened to me. It was like 10 years went by and it was just sort of this agonizing constant thing that was nagging at me, this, this experience I'd had in the Amazon that I didn't know what to do with. Um, and it was a pain point. It was sad. And, and then I was reading Joseph Campbell's book, the hero with a thousand faces. And I was just reading it to learn about story structure in general, but he was talking about how the hardest step of a hero's journey is coming home from their, from their travels and sharing what they've learned with their people from their culture. And he said, it's so hard that most heroes don't even do it. And, and it's that integration step. And that's when I realized like, Oh, I haven't done that about the Amazon. And I was like, well, I wonder if I could do that through writing about it. And it was just kind of a thought. And then that left my head. And then a few months later, and this was back in 2009, I was thinking about my dream of writing a book one day because I wanted to do that since I was a little girl. And I noticed my mind being able to think about this dream of writing a book and feel really great about it for just a little bit. And then, and then my mind would sort of just drop back into scenes from my childhood, you know, where, um, I had a pretty abusive childhood mm. and it was showing me those scenes almost to just show this contrast. Like that's a nice story that you want to write a book and help people. But, but this is what happened in in your story, you know, and people who have this kind of story, they don't get to have this kind of ending to their story, you know, or, um, but they just didn't fit together. And, and I just realized that I think that I had a, I had two incompatible stories. Like I had two stories that were sort of at war with each other inside of me. And then I was a, I was a history major. I got my degree from, from UC Berkeley and I've loved, you know, years before that. And, and I loved diving into the past, the stories of the past to prove that some theory that I had come up with was true. And and that's what I learned as a history major is that the past can always be rewritten in a very honest and even more honest way. I mean, that's what historians of you know, Native American historians and um, historians who write about African-American history and women's studies, they're not you know, rewriting history in a negative way. They're trying to, to take things that haven't been um, recorded or, or told properly and like fill in the holes, you know? And so I knew, I knew as a student of history that I could go back and, and rewrite the story of my past that I was telling myself in a way that could prove to me that my dreams were meant to come true instead of being the reason that they can't, you know? And so that was like my theory. Yeah. I think it totally is true. I I just, I'm having a deja vu because I had this conversation with a guy at the YMCA where I work out every morning, my fast paced (laughs) rock and roll life that I have. Yeah. Right. Anyway, he's a a writer and he said, well, you hear the saying experience is the best teacher. And he said, really not. He said he added on to it. Reflections of your experiences are the best teacher. And that's basically what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. And you don't necessarily, you can't rewrite the past. You need a time machine or something like that. But you can certainly take it and, and mold it into something useful. Well, so I think, yes. And, and I still think that you can rewrite the past. It's just 
what you mean by those words. So rewriting history, rewriting the past has a bad reputation because so many people have done it in a negative way. They've gone back and they've rewritten the past in a way that is changing the facts. And what I'm saying is there is an infinite number of ways in which you can arrange the facts and produce a completely different story every time. And that's something that most people never consider because you're swimming around every day and it's one story. You know, there's one teller, there's one perspective. This is mm-hmm. what happened and that is what happened and this has happened. But the truth is the things you're mostly focused on that have happened in the past are just some of the things that have happened. There's so many other things that aren't being recycled in that version of your past. And there's so many perspectives like you're saying with the reflection, how he's like, you reflect on those moments and you could come to totally different conclusions. You know, you could look at a car accident in your past and if it, you know, was traumatic or, or you know, it, it caused you to not be able to walk well, you know, it could just be like, oh, that was a negative event. That was a traumatic event. And you just can still keep focusing on that forever. But but if you really reflect on it and realize that, you know, that stirred, you know, a big shift in your relationships in your life and maybe some relationships that weren't really loving and supportive fell off and you found some new ones that were even better and, you know, it caused you to find your life purpose or, you know, there's just different things that, um, you know, every negative experience has different ways in which you can look at it. Um, but it takes the right sort of process to even be able to find those perspective shifts in a way that don't feel surface level or like spiritual bypassing, like, Oh, it's all wonderful. (laughs) Unicorns and rainbows. You know, that's not what I'm talking about either. You know, it's, um, it's finding deep perspective shifts that, that allow you to produce a, a story that feels totally different than the one you're telling yourself now. And better. Things do seem to get better. I've found that in my lifetime. I've been married and divorced more times than I want to admit. And a lot of people say, Mm -hmm. well, what happened? And I've learned to just kind of Mm -hmm. embrace it. And I usually end up with the slippery fish. I'm not really sure what exactly what uh-huh. happened. So, uh, so this is this is what would happen if you did this process with this book. You would write your story and you would find out what happened. The answer would would come to you on paper. Like that that's what happened to me when I first revealed my unconscious narrative. I I I had a, a similar situation. I had just when I finally wrote it, I had just gone through a really bad divorce. And, and I like was a coach. A I helped people change. <laughs> oh, right, right. I have some friends, actually, I have a client who oh, went through a super amicable divorce. Like they just mailed the thing off to the, you know, wherever you mail it off to, there was no lawyers and stuff. So it happens. It's <laughs> it happen. still that good. It's like, was, so people go yeah. to the south of France yeah. for vacation. No, I'm going to get a big fat divorce and it's going to be fun. <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah. Not that it's necessarily fun, but it doesn't all have to be yeah, oh, I'm like you. traumatic. Mine was, mine was pretty bad. Um, and I had also tried so hard. I'd worked so much on myself by that point, And I, I used all these great alternative healing techniques. And I, so I was just at a complete loss. You know, like you're saying about your, you know, your patterns of divorce, like marriage and divorce, like what happened? I don't know. You know, and I didn't know either. And, and it scared, it scared the crap out of me because yeah. I, I thought if I don't find out how I got into that situation, because I know patterns repeat themselves, oh, themselves, yeah. themselves in our lives. That's you what know? I'm saying. I so did. I was like, yeah. if I don't. 
if yeah, if I don't figure out how I got into that situation in the first place, because I really had no clue, I knew it was going to repeat again. And that was that was the last epiphany that I had before I actually put my pen on on paper and started writing my story. And I had so many um, awarenesses just from getting it out. And, and one of them was, was about that, how I got into that situation um, and ended up in, in such a, a bad place. Like, but my intention in writing my story, I feel, was why I saw that. So, so I wrote the story with the intention of finding out why some of these bad things had been repeating um, themselves. So my story, the version that came out of me, because as I said, there's a million different versions of your story that you could write. The version I wrote showed me those answers. Um, And it, it, it showed me that like I had not been listening to my intuition when it came to who to date. So I remember when I was dating my ex-husband, I wrote my journal that uh, it felt like he was dangerous for me. Those were the words that came out of my mouth and or out of my pen. Yeah, and yeah. Um, and I just I just overrode that that intuitive <laughs> nudge, you know. That was, and that had been the story of my life. Like I, I, you know, I didn't want to be alone, so I'd start dating someone, and and I'd I'd feel in my gut that it wasn't a good fit or it, it wouldn't be good for me, and I would talk myself out of it. I would talk myself out of red flags, and. Um, so I broke that pattern, but first I had to see it. You know, these are the weird things that hide out in their narrative that don't want to be found, you know, and that, that one wouldn't want to be found by the aspect of me that was like, really didn't want to be alone. Yeah. You know, cause we have, like I said, all these different aspects inside, you know, and they've got different agendas and, and um, whichever one happens to be spinning the strongest story is <laughs> the one that wins. Um, and gets their way, and that's not always the healthiest. I agree 100%. You live uh, on the East Coast, right? Yeah, I live in Asheville, North Carolina, in the mountains. Oh, it sounds wonderful. It is. I love it here. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, so are, are you currently married, single, boyfriend? I'm currently taking a little pause from from that, yeah. I did too. <laughs> it's going on four or five years now, something like that. And it's been very mm-hmm. productive for me. I, my thing is, mm-hmm. I think my brain just goes, turns to mush. I fall in love and, it, you know, anything goes, all right, uh, yeah. And then I, uh-huh. I, I'm not as productive. The one thing I do say, just, just to joke my way out of it, is I couldn't hit the curveball. So that's the only mm. way I could put it. <laughs> but yeah, there were, there were good times, but... I don't know. Yeah, I guess uh, it requires a lot of sacrifice, far more than just compromise, sacrifice, I think, to keep something mm-hmm. like that together for any length of time. So when I meet people, that older people, oh, we've been married for 60 years. And I'm thinking, wow, mm-hmm. that that's a, a lifetime achievement award right there. Seriously, yeah. But I mean, you know, some people just, you know, we've all got different paths. But I think that when you've tried and it hasn't worked and you've tried and it hasn't worked, it's always because there's there's old patterns getting in there that are unconscious, you know. And like you were saying, like your brain turns to mush and, and, and you start making bad decisions. Again, that's part of a a pattern that's connected to something that you've been carrying around. It probably links back to your parents, you know, and, and that's why there's um there's a whole chapter in my book about um, 
doing an inventory on what was modeled for you. Oh yeah, that's that's a, I could write a book on that, man. And then changing that, you know, so that you don't keep recycling those patterns, yeah. Well, that's great. I enjoyed talking to you. Do you believe we talked for uh, 20 minutes? Yeah, no, I mean, it flies by. Uh, <laughs> I could talk about this stuff all day. Uh, I know, me too. Flies. Yeah, the email uh-huh. that you didn't get, I said, yeah, I'll read it only if you give me a signed copy. I don't oh. I don't deserve that. I don't know how you would do that. but Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I you know, it, it's funny because I keep hearing like, oh, yeah, you need to have a box of books that you're handing out. And, um, you know, like you were talking about with your EP, when you're an artist who's producing your own album or like, you know, I'm an artist who's producing my own book and the launch and all that kind of stuff. I mean, there's just, there's just so much associated with, with all of it. Um, and I'm just learning how to do it. Most artists hate the marketing and self-promotion, but there's really good ways to reframe that. So it it can actually be fun. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm having fun with that process and (laughs) stuff like that, but it's just coming to like, when you look at like budgets and breakdowns, I mean, most books that, you know, the big publishing houses publish have a $30,000 marketing budget, <laughs> you know, yeah. and when you're doing it on your own, it's like, okay, do I, okay. You know, where do I put those resources and stuff? You just have to make all sorts of decisions, but the short, short story is, yeah, everybody's asking for free signed copies. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, I have to choose. Who do I send them to? How many do I get? Cause it's, yeah, it all adds up really fast. It's not free for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll definitely buy it. I just wondering how I, how I can route it by your pen so you can sign it. Cause I, I have kind of a collection. Get a signed copy. Oh, you can yeah. buy you can buy signed um, copies. Well, so someone just asked me for that. I'll um, fly over and find you. <laughs> and I was like, well, no. And what I did is I just gave him. I created an order form so he could purchase it, purchase it through me, uh, and then I'm going to ship it to him when I sign it. So it is totally possible if you want one. I'm just um, having people buy it because, yeah, <laughs> I've been working on it for so long and. Yeah. Oh, I totally get that. Yeah. 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 You're, yeah. you're probably uh, like I am way into debt in my creative world. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 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 That is a very, very true. And I think it's worth it, but <laughs> yeah. I have to discipline myself not to just do everything mm-hmm. I do for free, which I tend to do, it, uh, including the podcast. Yeah. It's, it operates in the red. I don't have any sponsors mm-hmm. or anything like that, but, mm-hmm. but it's worth it. It's worth it. <laughs> Terry, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on the show. Write yourself into your dreams. Essential life story method. Well, I have one more question. I'm looking at the book, and sure. and, and here's a segue. You went full circle. You started mm-hmm. in the Amazon, and it's on Amazon Books right now. But there's a <laughs> I know, there's right? a picture of the Eiffel oh, Tower God. off in the midst. How does that fit into it? Well, I love. France and the Eiffel Tower. I always have. And I feel like the Eiffel Tower is a symbol for so many people's dreams and love and and, and things like that. I also feel like the Eiffel Tower is such a really great mix of masculine and feminine energy. Um, You know, like the Washington Monument is obviously very phallic and masculine. Yeah, it's just yeah. a straight up and down pole, right? But the, the Eiffel Tower has all these <laughs> curves in it, too. It just feels like, it's, I don't know, there's probably so many different layers. And and this book, um, it's 
it, it is a very nice balance of masculine and feminine energy. I mean, there's, there's logic and, you know, um, intellect and, okay, let's look at this objectively and let's be rational and let's, and let's, you know, break your story down in this way and rebuild it. And then there's also all this emotion and space for your emotion and the, the nurturing tone. Um, so I don't know. I feel like it has to do with the masculine and feminine energy balance, honestly. Well, we have the Space Needle here in Seattle, and it's an erection anyone would be proud of. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I want to thank you for your time. I'm going to let you go. I can blab all day long with you. Awesome. That was fun. Thank you, Bruce. All right. Well, you take care. Good luck with the book. Okay. Thanks so much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. radio show with Bruce Hilliard. We'll be back with a new horizon, but until then, honor the future. It comes with a lifetime guarantee. And we're all just trying to make the next day a bit better.